Hey there, True Multifamily listeners, Justin here. Want to make sure you know about our website, truemultifamily.show, where you can stay all up to date, not only on this podcast, but all of our investment opportunities and other projects we have going on. Sign up for our newsletter at truemultifamily.show. See you there. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I'm your host, Justin Fraser, here with a returning guest, Mr. Dan Sheeks. Dan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Justin, uh, great to be back. Thanks for having me on, on the show again. I feel you so privileged. Are, you are my first guest that, that has been on the show and has come back with a book to, to promote. And I'm so excited to help you promote your book. And guys, this is not just a normal like, hey, you know, this guy's writing a book and we're going to do a normal PR push on it. This is a real estate related book. This is an incredible book that um, while it doesn't have to do necessarily with multifamily asset manager, as you guys are are used to hearing on the show, it is, I think, foundationally important to the financial success um, of our future and our children's future. And so um, I, when Dan mentioned that he was writing this book, I was so excited and said, we, we have to get on the show. So Dan, the book is, for those looking, First to a Million, published by none other than Bigger Pockets. So this is the next series in, in the Bigger Pockets books. Um, tell me why, what, what is this book and why did you have to write it? Uh, well, the book is, um, it's kind of a passion project, I guess is the best way to describe it. It's something I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, I am a high school teacher, a business teacher. Um, I teach at a public school here in Denver, Colorado. And that's, you know, my passion is working with young people. Obviously I've been doing that for about 20 years. So the book is written for young people. Um, and it introduces them to the idea that you don't have to work till you're 65, you know, the early financial independence thing, passive income. It does talk about real estate investing because that's a huge piece of that whole puzzle. Uh, and I just wanted to give back. I wanted young people to know that they have more than one option when it comes to their, their career and their financial future. Yeah. Um, you know, we spoke about a lot of these concepts when, I interviewed you the first time around because you were promoting Sheik's Freaks, your organization. And I, I see so many parallels from that talk, episode 54. If you guys did not did not listen, please listen to it. Um, and then what ended up in this book, like a lot of the same phrases that you used, you probably were working on this book when we were talking about that because I know yeah, these things take yeah. a long, long time. Um, and so the parallel is, was, was great. And so as I was listening back to the episode and then going through the book, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I, it all it all lines up. Um, first off, I love the style of the book. It's a very modern, youthful book. It's designed, I'm assuming, for teenagers, right? Is that is that the the target audience? Yes, the target audience is teenagers, but I've already had people tell me in their 30s, 40s, that people who are new to early financial independence, that the book, the book still has a ton of value no matter yeah. how old you are. But I, I wrote it for a teenager, yeah. That's the point I, I was going to make is, is that um, I got a lot out of this book already. And um, my wife uh, used to be a teacher and recently left her job and is getting into 
real estate. She's reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and like, this is going to be the next book. So that I want her to read. And so I'm so excited for her to like get into it and, yeah. and learn. So anyone of any age that wants to get into financial independence and, and uh, at least think differently about their financial future, I think this is going to be essential for them. Um, you start off in chapter two, and I just want to get to the page here because I want to make sure it says why you should tell the American dream to F off. <laughs> tell me, tell me about that. I love, I love the, the sort of the boldness and um, your approach, your style here, but, but tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that chapter in really the first part of the book, which chapter two is part of that part one. Um, it's, it's about just challenging the the typical mindset of, of the, of us Americans, you know, and what society has told us that we have to do. So the typical American dream pathway is that I thought process that I need to go to high school and I need to get good grades and I need to get into a good college and I need to get good grades in college. And then I need to graduate college and get a good job. And then I need to get married and have 2.3 kids and a dog and a white picket fence and work till I'm 65. And then I can retire and then I can live the good life. And there's nothing wrong with that path. It's tried and true. It's worked for millions of people. And it's a very noble way to live. Nothing wrong with it. But as we know, and your listeners probably too, there are other options that don't require you to work until you're 65. And so kind of smashing that mentality, that dogma that 65, you have to, you have to work till you're 65 is what that chapter is all about. Yeah. Why yeah. you should tell the American dream to F off. Yeah, I think it's um, it's fundamentally changes the way we're we're taught about education. We got into that on on the last episode. Is like, you know, you're you're a, a high school teacher. You're trying to teach a business class that follows the curriculum, but then you have all these you know feelings and 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 things you want to teach these students about financial independence that not necessarily on the books, right? Not necessarily. So that's what sort of spurned the the group, the Sheik's Freaks group, and. And the mastermind and everything that you're you're doing with those guys, and so um, I love that you know you got that in, and and it's so important. But even in that role, like talk about like the dichotomy of like wanting to be able to teach that, but sort of being within the system of the, the education system, and where where do you get pushback from from the school, and and how do you kind of navigate around that? Yeah, and so so in high school, I teach classes. Uh, I teach entrepreneurship. I teach marketing. I teach personal finance. Uh, and, and I love my job, by the way. It's, it's pretty enjoyable. It's uh, very rewarding. Um, and, and I know that my classes matter. And I don't, in my class, I have some autonomy to teach the curriculum I want. There are certain things I have to cover depending on the class. But I, in all my classes, I kind of bring in what I call FI days or FI days or financial mm -hmm. independence days, where we'll just take a day and we'll talk about strategies, concepts, topics that are included in the book or that are specific to early financial independence and introduce that to those kids. I don't spend a whole unit on it. I, it's kind of just, you know, every let them, let couple them know it's weeks. Out there. Yeah. yeah. But, and so I haven't gotten any pushback from that. You know, parents haven't called me to say, what are you teaching my kid? <laughs> um, I think it could happen. <laughs> it just yeah, hasn't happened I do yet. too. Where pushback happens is when I start advocating, which I've done uh, for several years, advocating that especially the class personal finance um, to be a high school graduation requirement. And, and for most states and, and most schools and most districts, that's not true, including my state and my school and my district. 
And so advocating for that change, um, there's a lot of pushback there. It's, it's not an easy road to hoe. And we can get into that. I don't know if we want to, but there's a lot of, there's not just one reason. There's several reasons why people push back on that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you for you're fighting that fight. And uh, I think that's probably why you felt like you had to write this book is, is, you know, it's, it's something else, it something else. And it kind of reads like a textbook, but not in the traditional sense of like, oh, this is a long drawn out textbook. It's like a fun textbook with hashtags and Instagram quotes and, it's really an enjoyable read. Um, and I love the quotes from other people that you bring in, which kind of brings me to the next thing I want to talk about because we're talking about financial independence, getting rich and all that. But then you have a whole section on enough, like the concept of enough. And so one of the quotes that you, you put in there from, from at Vicky Robin, financial independence has nothing to do with being rich. It's the experience of having enough. So can you just talk about that as it relates to financial independence and the message you're trying to to get across. Cause it, it sounds to me like you're not trying to promote, you know, private jets and, and Rolls Royces to these teenagers. No, right? There's, yeah. you know, let's talk about that concept a little bit. How, how do we get that across to them? Yeah. As, as most teachers do, I, I borrow, I borrow lots of things in the book. I, I pulled together many, many different resources. And so Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez, their infamous book, uh, your money or your life. Um, great book. Highly recommend it. In that book, they talk about the idea of enough. And they have what they call the, I think they call it the fulfillment curve. In my book, I call it the happiness curve, but I, I definitely stole it from them, bor borrowed it from them. <laughs> uh, but I give them credit, obviously. Yes, um, of course. And so that idea is, you know, we, we all need enough stuff so that we're safe. We need food, clothing, shelter, et cetera. And that's enough. And, and in my book, I say you need enough plus a little because we all deserve to spend and splurge on ourselves and enjoy our hobbies and our interests. And sometimes have a nice steak dinner or sometimes go on a nice vacation. We all deserve that. And so it's fine to spend money on that stuff. It's absolutely okay. But there comes a point when you start spending too much money. And, and Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez and their research showed that happiness, the overall happiness of someone actually starts declining after you get past that point of enough plus a little extra. Um, because you, I think... And, and I'm not in there, but I think you would start worrying about all the stuff that you have. And there's a lot of responsibilities to go with it. So the, the version of financial independence that I write about in my book is not the, like you said, private jets, five houses across the world, the mm. most expensive vacations and five-star resorts. That's not it. It's, it's about reaching financial independence with enough plus a little extra so that you are enjoying everything that makes you happy in life. But the main benefit is getting your time back or the, the option to spend your time as you would choose versus I have to go to work five days a week, 40 hours a week, or 60 hours a week until I'm 65. And then using that extra time to engage in the things that actually do make you happy. So when you talk about time, and, and I, I see that as a theme through the book, the, the time, getting your time back. And of course, I agree the path that I'm on and, and my financial independence journey um, and most of our audience does as well. But when you're talking to someone that's a teenager, a junior, a senior in high school, um, I would think I, I was there at one point, you kind of think, man, I've got the rest of my life. Why am I worried about time? Like, how do I get this abstract concept of time for the rest of my life and and in, emphasize the value and the importance of maximizing every minute to to these these students? Can you talk about that? Yeah, the the cell, the you know, the the hook is 
they are young. They haven't even started their career you know, or they haven't even started college yet. And most of them are probably headed there. So to get them to say, hmm, I should, I should focus on my financial future now, that's, that, that can be a tough sell. But the way I do it is uh, I have them look at the adults in their life, the adults they know best, starting with their parents. Mm. But, you know, their friends, parents, their grandparents, their aunt and uncles, the, the adults that they know. And I ask them, how happy are those people? Are they required to work late some days? Are they required to work on the weekends some days? Do they talk about their job negatively? Do they seem stressed out because their job isn't you know, going as well as it should? And unfortunately, most kids have at least one, if not many adults in their life where they're like, yeah, when I think about it, my dad doesn't really like his job. And he talks, you know, he talks negative about it all the time. And I feel like my dad would be much happier or, you know, doesn't have to be dad, fill in the blank. My aunt sure. would be much happier if they could choose their job or they could take a year off or they could uh, work part-time instead. And so, you know, selling the kids on the idea that, you know, what if, you know, you get to be that age and you do have those options or you don't have to work because you're financially independent. What would you do that you, your dad or your aunt cannot do that would make your life even better? I love that you make it so relatable to to people they know, and and we all have that. We can all think about our close family members, and um, man, what I love it! You're, you're so smart in the way that you're connecting with with these students is is so powerful. Um, sort of the next kind of middle part of the book I really like is you kind of explain how to get there, right? We talk about good debt versus bad debt. We talk about passive income. I mean, all these great concepts that you know. I don't think I knew about until I was in my late twenties and I started doing this research on my own and watching videos and reading books. Right. So to bring that concept forward 10, 15 years to them um, is, is something that's so powerful. What, um, what are the kind of questions that you get from these students as they're thinking about passive income? What are the obstacles or, or pushback when, when you start to explain this, you know, t- tell me what their objections are. Um, I don't know that I get vocal objections. I think some of them are probably sitting there and in their seat thinking, I don't want to do this. This isn't for me. Um, But I still consider that a win because they're at least aware, right? They're aware, oh, passive income is a thing. Mm -hmm. And I can make money while I sleep if I own a vending machine. That's kind of cool. And so they may not pull the trigger in high school or, or in college, but maybe at age 25, they do. Or maybe at age 35, they start Googling passive income ideas again, because they know it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just about exposing them to the idea. I can't make any, I can't make any young person want to do anything. Um, and right. any parent out there would agree with me because, uh, you know, you can't make a teenager want to clean their room. You can bribe them to do it or, or I guess, uh, some kind of a consequence, but you can't make them want to do something. So right. in my class, I give them the information. I tell them, you can do with this what you want. And I'm not, I I don't ever tell anyone, young or old, how they should live their financial life. Um, I I explain the option of early financial independence, and then they get to decide what they want to do and if that fits into what they see as their best life. Uh, And so just explaining it, giving them the knowledge, and then letting them take it from there. Mm -hmm. So then that brings us to the how, right? Let's say they're on board, they get it. They're like, yeah, I want that passive income. I, I understand good debt and bad debt. Let's go get some of that good debt. Um, how, how do they do this? Talk, talk us through those steps. Yeah, and that's what the middle part, or I guess 
latter part of the book is about is the those four mechanisms of early phi as I define them: earn more, spend less, save the difference, and invest your savings wisely. Those are the four mechanisms that I talk about that will lead you to early financial independence. So in the book, I go over those in detail, and I think. One of my superpowers, if I, if I actually have one as a teacher, and I think all teachers possess this this trait, is that we are really good at being articulate and explaining things in a way that pretty much everyone can. If I have a room full of 30 kids and I'm explaining compound interest, I need to do it in a way that all the kids understand. That's my job. Um, I can't just throw up a couple of charts and say, hey, do you got this? Um, <laughs> I need to be, I need to be, I need to make it simple. I need to make it easy to understand. And I think that definitely came through in the book. So some of those concepts are, are a little bit higher level, you know, even just passive income and good and, and bad debt is not something that every teenager is going to grasp. So I hope, and I think I did a good job. I explained all of the concepts, including investing, investing in real estate, investing in index funds, um, explained it in a way that pretty much any teenager or anybody would be able to understand that and, and take action. And I, you know, I, I know we started talking in the beginning, like teenage audience, but I think by, by writing this book in a way that you're teaching it to that audience, you're, you're making this information accessible to anyone of any sort of reading level, comprehension level, whether they're college educated or, or high school or middle school educated, people can understand the concepts here, because like you said, I'll give you the credit. It's clear you're a teacher because you take these very advanced concepts and break them down in a way that that resonates and is fun and has the, the quotes and the selfies and every every chapter or section we've got to stop for a hashtag and a selfie and mm. I love it it's it's uh mm. it's a really relatable way to to get that message across um so I want to talk just one actionable piece that that I really resonated with and it's so simple but most people probably don't do it which is tracking your income and expenses right mm. and and you you have I think like a whole chapter on that of just how to look at your income and expenses. And I just give you a quick personal story. Um, my brother, you know, got what was not on the path to financial independence. And we, we had a, a conversation at one point and he was spending way more than he was making. And, and, you know, I, I was like, look, let me, um, let me help you. Let me, let me start you in the right direction. And let's just start with this. What's coming in, what's going out. And it's not, mm -hmm. we don't have to correct anything. Let's just track it first. And it was so incredibly powerful because he got to see where all that money was going on food or ordering out or, you know, these extra expenses that probably weren't even necessary. And he's like, oh, there's it, it raises the 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 action steps, but it doesn't require it. It's like, let's just see where we are and then move forward. Can you just talk about that a little bit and and uh, what you've seen from from experience there. Yeah, I, I in my personal finance class, I require my kids to track their income and expenses. And, you know, even teenagers have money coming in and out of their life. Uh, they might yep. have an allowance. They might have a part-time job. They might, uh, you know, make money from a little side hustle or gifts, you know, or, or handouts. Parents might sure. say, here's 20 bucks. You're on your own for dinner this weekend. Well, that's, that's income. Mm -hmm. And so just getting them into the habit of tracking their income and expenses, because it's much easier to do it when you, I think, don't have a lot of money coming in and out versus when you're an adult and you have all your monthly bills and the crap that we have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's so important because the, the, the one kind, if someone asked me, what is the one thing that you would want your reader to take from your book? 
it boils down to this. And it's the concept of paying yourself first. That one thing can set you up for early financial independence um, automatically. If you're, if you're saving 30 or 40 or 50% of your income automatically every month, every paycheck, you can't help but not reach early financial independence. And so I tell my kids that. And I say the first step to be able to do that is to know what's coming in and what's coming out so that you can, you know, if you have a target of 35% savings rate, you have to know how much money is coming in and you have to know how much money is going out so that you know if you hit your goal or not. And that's, that's probably the most important concept to pull from the book is paying yourself first. Yeah. So we get to the, the end of the book and you come up with a real doozy of a question, which is, should you go to college? And that's probably obviously on a lot of our, our students' minds uh, at that age. How, how do you help them figure out the answer to that question? What is the answer to that question? Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I had the answer to that question. Um, that that might be the hardest chapter that to write in the whole book. Um, and so I, I approached it from a: it's not an automatic yes. Not every teenager should go to college. Period. Um, I think a lot of people want want to believe that, but it's just not true. There are many other ways, by the way, to do post secondary education other than a four year school. Um, and and I talk about those. And so I really, you know, it's a very personal choice and it's a choice that every teenager or young person should make with their family. Um, and so I, I basically weigh the pros and cons. I tell them here, here are the pros and here are the cons uh, about going to college and how that will affect negatively and positively your pathway to early financial independence. If you are sold on the idea that you believe it's best for you to reach early financial independence, then how is college going to help you on that journey? And how is it going to hinder you on that journey? And so that, that chapter is all about explaining the, the pros and cons. Yeah. And really throughout the book, you are pro posing these questions, giving, you know, an insight this way an insight that way, but obviously ultimately it's up to the reader to, to choose what the best decision for them is. And I love how you, you break it down and give them all the options. Um, and then finally, I was so glad to see, the the last section in the appendix, the the sort of checklist of like, mm -hmm. okay, the summer before your junior year, like read this book, <laughs> check, right? And then <laughs> yeah. and then on and on and on. And I think, you know, even if someone doesn't necessarily follow this plan to the T, it really gives you a general idea of like how anyone can kind of start progressing through this. Um, how did you come up with with this sort of checklist, these phases, and um what what kind of results have you seen from your your students in your masterclass so far? Yeah, I think honestly, Justin, that checklist is is the most important part of the book. It's in the appendix, and it's it's the action steps that that yeah. the young people should take from start to finish, right? Um, and, and to be honest, the entire book, the entire idea of writing a book, started in my classroom when a guest speaker asked the question, "Does anyone else have any you know any questions for me as a guest speaker?" I'm coming back. What do you want me to do next time? And a student raised their hand and said. I get this. Like, I understand a lot of these topics you're talking about and I'm sold. I just want someone to tell me what to do, when to do it, how to do it, which unfortunately is kind of how our, our kids are trained in our public school system. It's just tell me what to do. I'll do it and I'll get an A. And that made sense to me. You know, I, I can tell them the concepts, but I really also need to give them action steps and tell them how to complete those action steps. So that's when the, the idea of this checklist was born. That then became the workbook. And the workbook soon became way too big. And I had to cut off a lot of the workbook 
and make the book first to a million as a, as the first thing for them to read. So -hmm. the book lays the foundation. Then the, the checklist is the bones of the workbook. So we put the checklist in the appendix of the first two a million books so that everybody has access to at least the steps. But I highly recommend a young person actually buy the workbook. The workbook takes the checklist and it's a whole other book, really. And it's a workbook, so it's more interactive. But you're, like you said, there's, there's freak phases. This whole idea is them being freakish about their money. And four-month increments, it tells them, okay, in, in this four-month period, here's the 10 things you need to do. Here's how to do them. And you can check them off on this list. And it goes through about a five-year period with these freak phases. So the workbook, I think, in my opinion, is actually the more valuable of the two books because it actually tells them what to do, how to do it, and how? sets them yeah. on their journey yeah. so they can start, start pulling the trigger and, and making, taking some action. I love the, the action. And I feel like that is the part that is missing from a lot of books like this. It's like mm-hmm. to your students' exact question. Like, okay, I get it. I understand yeah. about good debt. How do I get there? Right. Tell me, yeah. like, what are the next steps here? And so exactly. me, you know, being a planner and a manager, it's like, yeah, here's the steps. Here's the checklist we're going to follow. Here's the next, you know, I love that you're breaking out four or five years. Like here it is in, in four month increments, like let's go. Um, so this is incredibly helpful. Um, I have learned a lot from, from reading it and, and having it. And, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, so before we go, we'll wrap up with sort of what we normally call our true multifamily tip, but Let's say, um, let's customize it here for, for your audience, um, teenagers, maybe teenagers who are considering taking your class or considering even, should I even open up this book? You know, they come like, what is the piece of advice or, or what can I tell my niece or nephew or teenager friend that can, to say, yeah, you have to open this book. Give me a little, give me a little summary on that. Yeah. So I, the book and the workbook are, are available right now on biggerpockets.com. Uh, biggerpockets.com slash teen if they want to go directly to it. And I think for your listeners, most of them are probably going to be, you know, it's a perfect time to buy this as a stocking stuffer or a gift for your son, niece, nephew, neighbor, whatever it might be. Um, So give them the book and just say, I challenge you to read this. If you read this book cover to cover, I will pay you $50. You know, put a little incentive in them. Like that can be their first little side hustle is reading that book. that can hopefully get them to open the cover and start reading. Um, and then once they, you know, have them give you a little book report, I guess. Uh, and then if you're satisfied, give them the $50 and say, here's, here's the start to your early financial independence journey. Take this $50. And now you know what to do with it because you've read the book and start taking some steps. That's great. I love it. I, I love that idea. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. So let's uh, thank you, <laughs> Dan, for coming on the show Guys, uh, if you missed anything, Dan's book, all the links, everything is on our website, truemultifamily.show. Uh, check out the book on Bigger Pockets. It's available now, so go order it. You have to get it now. Get it in before the holidays. Uh, as Dan said, it's absolutely um, going to be one of the best best investments for 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 the season. Why not? You know, not too often do we get to say I'm buying you an investment, but it is an investment in there um, in in someone you care about, and uh, it's absolutely worth it. So. Dan, thanks again for coming on the show. Please come back. And uh, I want to hear the, the follow-up later on. So, so we'll have you back on the show and we'll get into some more stories. And that's one thing we didn't even mention is 
throughout the book, you have these case studies and these stories about all these people that have been through your program and the success that they're having um, and challenges and all of that. And so it's, it's real, it's very real and very raw. And I really appreciate, you know, seeing what other people are doing and, and how they're growing in their financial journey. So thank you for doing this. I think that um, I really believe that, that this is a huge piece that's missing right now. And so I'm, I'm so grateful that you wrote this book and I'm going to be recommending it to everybody. So thanks again, Dan. Appreciate it, Justin. Thanks for having me back. And yeah, I'll, I'll come back a third time and a fourth on the fifth. We, we got plenty more to talk about. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily.